Welcome to the Hoodoo and Chill Podcast, the number one hoodoo and spirituality-based podcast bringing awareness to African-American spirituality and a wide range of thought-provoking topics. I am Papa Seer, your host, your narrator, and your storyteller. Before the show begins, make sure you're subscribed or following the show so you don't miss out on any episodes. And as always, donations of love keep our podcast alive and give us the ability to upgrade the show, enhance our content, and most importantly, do what we love. You can use any link in the description to send your donation of love today. Now, let's start the show. Well, good evening and grand rising. We are here with another episode of the Hoodoo and Chill podcast. I am here today, our very own prodigy in our club, a historian, the one and only Miss Hood Intellectual. Hello, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Um, we're happy to present this series to you all. I'm here with the legendary, the divine, the amazing Seer Bale. All right. So if you all got if you all have been with us, we've been doing a series on black history just surrounding the voices of our ancestors. It's so funny because this show is so in alignment and the message and the stories that we're going to give you guys tonight is so in alignment with everything that we've been doing and all of these cultures and diasporas of black people and indigenous people that have this connection or this history or this creation story of their people surrounded by different bodies of water and the body of water that we're going to speak on today is the dismal swamp in virginia now for a lot of you who do not realize this particular piece of geography played an entirely huge role in our history in everyone's history it was not only a stop on the Underground Railroad. It was also a home to many, many, many generations of people who decided to escape from slavery and many generations of people who never knew what a slave was, let even alone a white person. In honor of Black History Month, we are bringing you a series entitled We Were Never Slaves, Ritual and Resistance in the Americas. This is part one, focusing on the Great Dismal Swamp. There is a great deal of misunderstanding about the Great Dismal Swamp. Many people may not even know that there were communities of people that lived in that swamp. Today, we would call them Maroons, but they were referred to as wild people. To what us seems like a murky mess of desolation, was once regarded as a place of refuge and an oasis of free from oppression for many of our ancestors. So without further ado, guys, we are going to go ahead and kick this show off. And Hood is going to open up the floor with some history around the Great Dismal Swamp. The Hoodoo and Chill podcast will return after this short ad break. Why make another major decision without knowing the outcome beforehand? 
Would you like to know where your relationship is headed or what the future holds in store for you? My name is Papa Seer and I want to assist you in making all the right decisions so that you, yes you, may live your best life. Are you seeking a new career? Does your love life need insight? Or maybe you want to connect with your ancestors or past loved ones. The realm of divination holds all the answers to your fortune. Allow me to use some of my abilities, bone reading, cardamancy, tarot, and mediumship to uncover the answers to your future. Go to hoodooconjurerootwork.com under classes and services to book your appointment today. Your spirit guides are waiting to speak with you. That's hoodooconjurerootwork.com to uncover your destiny today. Thank you, Seer. So the Great Dismal Swamp currently covers the area of Carolina and the Virginia border. The swamp used to be much, much bigger. Around the time period that we're going to be discussing or doing our lesson tonight, the swamp was about a million acres. It's currently only um, a little over 100,000. Um, but it went all the way down into South Carolina as well uh, at, a, at a certain point in time. So in the swamp, originally uh, a lot of native tribes lived there. I'm just giving you guys an overview, but there were Native American tribes that, you know, lived in the swamp. Um, they operated uh, out of the swamp and they were there when the settlers came in, you know, the... <clears throat> the colonists. When the colonists came in, these native people had already been inhabiting in these swamps. In 1607, when the town of Jamestown, Virginia is established, that's when you see Africans actually start to come in and inhabit the swamp as well. In 1732, a man by the name of William Byrd II went into the swamps to survey the land. For that time, there were legends and you know rumors and stories about you know these wild people that lived in these swamps and you can you know smell food being cooked and you can hear people you know making noise and stuff you can hear them living in there so this man William Byrd actually went out into the swamp to go and see what was up they did not know what to do when they saw, you know, all of this land and, you know, there's thousands upon thousands of people living there. Today, it's estimated that 50,000 people lived in the swamp from the 1600s into the 1800s, but we know that number is much, much higher. That's what they knew about. So they decided to, they, they're, we're going to talk about this in greater detail as well, but they decided to drain the swamp. That's when people started to leave the swamp and go out into other areas. I also wanted to talk about really quick the history of uh, where the word maroon comes from. It depends on the source. Some people will say that it comes from the French word marronage, which means to flee or to be freed. But it actually comes from the Spanish word cimerones, which refers to wild livestock that escapes. Usually they're wild and defiant. And today we know that the maroons are the descendants of Africans and the Americans who formed settlements away from slavery. This is another one of those topics that is very dear to me because 
for those of you that do not know, originally I am from Virginia. And what's also so amazing is that a part of my family is actually from this area of Southampton County, Franklin, Virginia, the Tidewater region, that entire area. Most people do not understand that it was a immense swamp. It was huge. That the original culture of Virginia, just like New Orleans, just like Charleston, South Carolina, Mobile, and some parts of Mississippi, it thrived around that area heavily of a swamp culture. When the English settlers came into Virginia, and everyone knows that lie that Disney put out about the story of Pocahontas or even the newer movies that HBO has done. It's never 100% correct and they never tell the full story. The English settlers, they fought. There was actually a war that went on between Pocahontas' father, Chief Powhatan, who was a real king, not just some chief. He was a king. This man was a king of Virginia. He, he, this man was a king of a, of a lot of land. They fought the English settlers for almost 30 years, four distinct battles, four very distinct battles that they fought over land to avoid losing so many people. The Algonquin people, they made a treaty with them. Okay, you're going to take this portion of the land and we're going to take this portion of the land. Well, what was so messed up about this was, of course, the English settlers tricked them and they took land that was directly in the middle of part of Chief Powhatan's kingdom. And when they did this, it isolated the Algonquin people who lived towards the south, who lived towards the swamps. They did not want that land because it was full of alligators and snakes. And it was just it was a very it's a very harsh environment. It's not like the Everglades or even the swamps down in Louisiana. It is a very thick, dense brush and underbrush. Like you barely can even walk through it. Very dangerous place to be, even still to this day. So the land that they took separated the Algonquin people. And those who were in the south, they were isolated towards the swamps. And that's where they lived. That's where they grew their culture. When the 1630s happened and you start, I'm sorry, the 1630s to the 1650s, they started shipping in more Africans directly into Jamestown by the hundreds. And this is where we start to see the Africans actually starting to break off and run into the swamps. But to give a brief history on that as well, during this time, in the 1600s, slavery was not institutionalized as it was later in the 17th and 18th century. It was still very much in Virginia, a form of indentured servitude. There were Africans who were able to buy their freedom after a certain time. It, they made a law in the 1600s that once they found out about tobacco and, the, and slavery became industrial, industrialized in Virginia, it became a law that any black person, any black person in Virginia could not be free. They had to be enslaved. So people who might have already had bought their freedom, they were rounded up and put in back into slavery. 
some of them also ran into the swamps as well. I just want everyone for a moment to really think about the area that is the Great Dismal Swamp and to really consider the thousands upon thousands of families that lived here and created a community. Um, I also want everyone to keep in mind that while, you know, the Great Dismal Swamp is legendary, you know, for the maroonage that took place there, all of these Africans coming in, you know, refusing to live life in bondage, that the Native Americans really did set the groundwork for where they would live. Um, they had already established homes there. They had already, you know, cut down trees to make trails. They traded with the Africans. They showed them where to go, how to get in and out, because they lived really, really deep inside the swamp, right? So they showed them different ways to get to where the community was. And it's just not like a bunch of, quote unquote, as they were referred to, wild people living in a swamp, right? We have communities. They had bartering systems. Even later on, they would trade service for service with actually enslaved Africans who were sent to work in, in the Dismal Swamp as well. So it's we're talking about a very extremely sophisticated community that could not have existed in the way that it was if the natives had not shown them the way. Speaking from my experience and just from some of the stories that my family has told me and just from folklore growing up in Virginia, there was not this tension between the natives and the black man. I'm speaking about Virginia. Never, I'm not going to say never, but I've never heard of anyone to me speaking of tension between the natives and the black man. That's how they were, the, the natives referred to the Africans. They called them the black man. And you have to understand that they did not fight with these people when they came into their lands. They traded with them. They took them in. They exchanged so much with them. The black man was useful to the natives. These natives also, while they had been living in the swamp, they had not been there for that long. They were isolated to this land. And when the black man showed up, what was us now trying to survive? We have now assimilated to two different cultures, cultures, excuse me, Combine them and now we thrive. The natives taught the black man how to build huts in the ground and raise them up because the, the land was marshy. The black man showed the Indians how to cultivate certain different things on that marshy land because they were used to it in Africa and how to farm better. The natives showed the black man where the wildlife was and where you could hunt in these lands. And as well, the black man showed the natives how they could tame some of the reptilians that were there because they worked with the reptiles in Africa. They were not scared of the snakes. They were not scared of the, of the alligators that once lived in Virginia. So you have to remember that these cultures cultures were side by side, very much meshed together. 
as we were scripting this show, Hood and I decided, I said, you know, I'm going to just call my family because, I mean, we can look and we can read, and but let's just get information from the source. So I called my grandmother and I didn't expect to get much information from her because my grandmother is from a different part of Virginia. She's from the from the um, she's from the lowlands, from the from the country, the low country. I'm sorry. That's what they call it. So I said, Hood, I don't think she's going to know anything about this, but let's just call her and see. And I was not ready for what she told me. I said, Grandma, did you know anything about this people in Virginia living in the swamps and stuff? or just heard anything about it. And the first thing she said is most old people do. They put up that defensive mechanism because, you know, they don't like to talk about those days. It hurts them. No, I don't know nothing about that. I said, oh, I said, you know, Grandma, I ain't think you did. That's cool. And she paused for a moment and she said, well, you know, my grandmother, your great grandmother, your great great grandmother was an Indian woman and her mother was an Indian woman. And, you know, she did tell me about these people that lived in the woods and she called them wild people. And I didn't think it was real, but she told me about how they would make, she taught us how to make this food called ash cakes that they used to make. And they used to build their homes, these huts in the ground. And when she said literally those words in the ground, me and Hood, it was like our spirits just jumped, leaped out of our chest because that was exactly the that small statement was the correlation that we were seeking to just get local evidence of what we already know to be true. I just wanted to hear it from the mouths of the people. You see, we as always are overcomplicating things, even when it comes to our magic, our history research. And I guess I'm saying this to you all, when you go talk to your elders, don't try to overload them with big words and your pedigree and your knowledge and all of that. Just simplify it. Because I bet you if I would have said, Ma, you ever heard about wild people living in the woods in Virginia? She probably would have told me a lot more. What you're seeking when it comes to your ancestral lineage or you just finding out who you are will not always come in this elaborately wrapped package or this Disney version of who you think your ancestors are or this Alex Haley series of roots. It may come in a very small yet powerful package that's like this little key that'll unlock the door for you to find out so much more about who you are. But when you go and you talk to these old people, and I'm begging you all while you still have the chance to go talk to your elders, they're not going to give you this elaborate story. They're going to give you bits and pieces in a small package. I would like to talk about the significance of the Dismal Swamp as it pertains to resistance, right? That's what this show is about. I know y'all have heard of Nat Turner going, you know, into the swamp before his rebellion. You might have heard of Frederick Douglass going to the swamp. Harriet Tubman also visited the swamp regularly, frequently, because... 
The Great Dismal Swamp was, in a lot of ways, a stopping point um, along the Underground Railroad. And even just the way that it was that it was uh, situated, right? There were all these passes um, and escape passages and escape routes. And so when Harriet Tubman would come in and she would, you know, round up the people that she about to take to freedom, they would go into the swamp. Sometimes to rest and to regroup and to strategize, right? Because once you got to the swamp, you're basically like, <laughs> you're free, you're home set, right? Like that is, that is your mark. Once you make it to the swamp, you know that you don't have too much further to go. They would get there, you know, get food, get clothes, whatever they needed, right? And a lot of times the, uh, the enslaved people that were, that were fleeing from the plantations, when they would go into the swamp with Harriet Tubman or whoever, whatever conductor was taking them on the Underground Railroad, they would bring items with them that would be of use uh, to the Maroons who lived there inside of the swamps. So when you got to the swamp, a lot of people chose to stay there and they said, you know what, I don't want to go any further. I don't need to go north. This is good enough for me. And a lot of people would continue to carry on. So there's always kind of this influx and in re- not a revolving door, but there's always new people coming into the community. There's always space for more people to come in and people being welcome with open arms. Um, and really just this understanding that once you get here, this is it. You know what I'm saying? This, we all, we got, this is family here and you're free to leave. You feel me? But don't go telling nobody where we at. Don't come blowing the spot up because as said, as stated previously, they literally lived in the interior of the swamp. You couldn't just, you know, pull up to the water and you see the people living there. Like you had to go inward, you know, and nobody knew that they were there unless you knew that they were there. I love that you spoke of no one knew that they were there because I've been speaking so heavily just on, you know, hoodoo and just ACRs in Virginia and just on the secret societies that were that are still there to this day. Very secret, just very secret because, you know, Virginia was just one of those places where white supremacy was so dominant not saying that the the other parts of the south were not worse because you know honestly in virginia the people were scared to go down south but the type of oppression that was there because it was the capital of the civil war and it was right next to you know damn near next to washington dc it was just so much policing of the people that they didn't have very much freedoms and the ones that they did have a lot of people did not speak about it we have to understand and remember that not all of your ancestors were slaves and i think that's the the one of the main focuses of this show today is to just highlight that and i just felt a few of my ancestors stand up when i said that that not all of them were slaves and not all of them even knew what that was or that it even existed it was a myth to them outside of the swamps this is what's going on this land was over a million acres okay some countries aren't even that big for 250 years that is three approximately three and a half generations people lived and raised families 
right there on the interiors of the Great Dismal Swamp away from oppression. It, it also speaks to just the strength of the bloodline from which we all come from. Because it, I, I couldn't even imagine spending one night, one night in the Dismal Swamp, the Everglades or any swamp. I couldn't imagine it. But to create a life there because you refuse to be a slave, that is extraordinary. The bravery that your people faced, just the daily hardships of walking around that thicket and the mosquitoes and the biting flies and the alligators and the moccasins and the copperheads, the bears, the panthers, and everything else that were teeming through that land around that time. It speaks to the history of our hoodoo culture as well. Before Nat Turner went into his insurrection, he ran away and went into the swamp. And as the legend goes, met an old seer in the swamp who told him that he was going to divide and conquer. Harriet Tubman, well-known conjure woman, knew those swamps like the back of her hand. Frederick Douglass ran away and where did he go into the swamp? And met what? A hoodoo doctor. Countless stories of hoodoo culture emerging from those wetlands. Countless rituals that were intermingled with native tradition. Knowledge of root. How to cook certain things. Knowledge of the animals and the spirits that were in the forest. I even think about some of the of, of the religions that they were practicing in that swamp because these were Africans. They still held on to their own religion. It speaks to where the ATRs of Virginia emerged from because where else could they have the privacy and the freedom to practice their original religion from their homelands? right there in those swamps and for 250 years I'm pretty sure they had children that grew up that knew nothing but of the original religion and that is why still to this day the secret society still exists the hoodoo and chill podcast will return after this short ad break thanks so much for listening to the show if you like what you hear guess what we want to hear from you. Use one of the links in the description to join the official Hoodoo Conjure Root Work Discord server. The Conjure Square group chat is totally free and open to all listeners. We want to know your thoughts and we want to hear your opinions. So again, use any link in the description to join the official Hoodoo Conjure Root Work Discord server. I'll see you there. It speaks to the ancestors that you can call upon when you find yourself in a thick, swampy, murky situation. When things feel so disgusting or just unnavigatable 
who else would you? I might you might want to pull on some of those ancestors. Maybe some of you all who came from Charleston or Louisiana or down in the Alabama, Mississippi swamps, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, even down in Texas. Maybe you want to pull on some of those ancestors who had the knowledge to navigate through the most treacherous lands of America. It speaks to your bloodline. You do have the capabilities to get through anything and navigate through any situation just like your ancestors did. That you don't have to subject yourself to the slavery of today. That you do have a choice. But how many of us are going to pull from that energy to get away from this, what we think is freedom? Because truly, it's just another form of slavery. How many of you have the courage to break away and run into the swamps of today? What does it look like for you? Is it isolation from social media? Is it isolation from the religion that your parents grew you up on? Is it isolation away from your toxic friends who are taking you nowhere left and fast? Is it the relationship that's keeping you on a chokehold and maybe you just can't elevate? Are you have do you have enough strength? Do you have enough goal to pull from your ancestors who said, I will not. I will resist. I'm gonna get away. If I have to go into the depths of this land to live my life, I will. How many of you today are going to say a prayer to those ancestors and ask you, ask them, excuse me, to give you just a little bit of the courage that they had to thrive in that land? I don't know why I get so, I feel a way about the Dismal Swamp and, you know, I, I love history. I love the history of our people. Um, I love Black American history, but there are certain places and certain stories that I really connect to. And when it comes to the Great Dismal Swamp, for me, it is the importance of the water. Because for our ancestors, it didn't matter. It was water, right? And you may be thinking like, dang, they was in this swamp and the water's all muddy and murky and it's all types of stuff in that water. But what do you think that they drank? You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you think they used to wash their clothes and wash they wash what they was cooking with and stuff like that? It's the surrendering to the water. It's water being a refuge. It's water being safety. Knowing that you just got to get to the water, right? You've been a slave for this long. You ready to leave. You ready to go. You know that if you make it to the water, when you make it to the water that you free, that you don't have to worry anymore. It's the comfort that water brings to our people. And I feel like for me, that's what hits the hardest. That's why we have so many songs about the water, Wade in the water, Go Down Moses, etc., etc. They understood the life that exists in that place and in that water. And really for me, it's like kind of like Sierra said, the courage to leave what you have known, right? For the for the for the enslaved that would come to the swamp for freedom, to leave what you have known. You know, I'm pretty sure slavery was not a comfortable existence, right? <laughs> but it's familiar to leave that to go to the water, to leave that, you know, and just the fact that 
these people would really rather live y'all in a damn swamp than to be slaves like if that don't hit nobody i don't know what else will we also have to remember that while this land may have been in our eyes treacherous and how could you live there heard this small voice tell me as you were speaking hooded it said but it was our home and i saw people laughing we have to remember that not every day there was a bad day you know some people grew up there and that was all they knew they never saw anything else and they laughed they loved they created families they bartered they traded you know they fished they loved one another they had families they they had a whole system of whatever it is they were doing of life right there in the swamp and while we still cannot grasp the concept of how could you live there all those mosquitoes they knew the secrets of that land they knew what to put on their bodies to keep those mosquitoes off of them they knew where to go where the brush wasn't so thick where they actually could walk they knew where to stay away from because these is where the white man might come into here they knew all about it these are secrets that are unfortunately have not been passed down and many probably you will only find through the ancestors or the descendants that are living today through some form of oral tradition but they're telling me that there's some type of plant or mud that they rubbed on their bodies to keep the insects off of them and that once again we're overthinking something and it's just as simple as as with hoodoo once again using what you have it once again for me i look at things greater than just survival mode i look at these beautiful people as botanists and chemists like wow you all figured out what roots you could use and what type of mud you could rub on your body so that the insects wouldn't bite you and we still haven't created a bug spray that can do it for real because people put on bug spray and go out into the great dismal swamp those mosquitoes don't care they don't care they'll bite you anyway yet these people found a way they found a way so many ancient secrets of medicine and roots and plants that are forever lost because in the 18th the 17th century they started to create logging businesses in the swamp because it had a lot of it had a lot of trees many of the areas there wasn't always wet um the great dismal swamp has like this underbrush of wetness but you, in many places you can like walk on it but it's a lot of trees it's a lot of trees and they went out there and they started draining it and cutting down all the trees creating all of these different types of canals they would take the slaves from the plantation and move them out into the swamps because they would be the ones working and digging the ditches and digging the canals canals that are still there to this day those slaves dug those canals So if you ever visit the Great Dismal Swamp and you're in that area and you see the canals, those canals were dug by your ancestors. You know? If you ever visited, I would grab some dirt or some mud. You know, definitely some dirt, maybe some Spanish moss from there if you can get some. Um maybe even a little bit of water, but just be careful. 
<laughs> you know? Though your ancestors dug those ditches and they still use them to this day. There are stories about ferrymen who would take the slaves across the ferries in the Dismal Swamp. These were stops on the Underground Railroad. A lot of people don't know that. That though a lot of those same slaves stayed right there working in those positions so that they could help free other people. They stayed in those positions so they could help free other people. People like Harriet Tubman who will bring people through the swamp and pay some of the ferrymen to take them back and forth so they could get to freedom. It was almost like a guiding light that once we got through this we were we're, we're, we're not too far from the north because Virginia is not too far from the north speaking of ferrymen one of those ferrymen you know Harriet told me they refer to her as, as Moses right but she wasn't the only Moses one of the legendary ferrymen that took people in and out of the swamp his name was Moses Grandy um, and again, I don't, for me, that hit hard because it's like Moses, right? And we know the story of Moses in the Bible and how he led his people out of captivity through the sea, right? The water was split and he led them right on through to freedom. And this man spent his entire life and he, you know, if you can get a hold of his, uh, the narrative of his life, and read it. It's a it's a really quick read, um, but I, I do recommend that for anybody that's interested. He spent uh, his whole adult life working in the canals on the swamp, ferrying people back and forth, back and forth. And he was hired out, you know, by various different owners of his or enslavers, as I like to call them. But that was his life. That was that's what that was his life's work: bringing people in and out of the swamp. And he stayed there and he worked in those swamps until he was able to save his money up and to buy the freedom of himself and several other family members. There's no shame in where our people came from. It's no shame of the condition that we were forced to be in. And I just want to encourage everyone to, from this day forward, to change your, your language when it comes to talking about slavery and enslavement. Our people were never slaves, okay? We were botanists, we were chemists, we were carpenters, we were architects, we were chefs, okay? We were farmers, we had brilliant minds, we were surveyors, we were mathematicians and scientists. The condition of enslavement was enforced upon us, okay? That was forced onto us. So whenever you talking about black people in slavery, Remember, we were never slaves, okay? We were enslaved. It's a major difference. The naming of things is important. All right. Well, I just want to say as closing, as my closing statement, this um, was amazing to do. Uh, I love to just bring up the voices of the ancestors that the, the ones that we don't speak about them as much because I feel like they play such a significant role in our history and their voices are just as important as those who have been glamorized as well. No story is, is more important than the other. So I hope that everyone got something from this today. And if you have any amazing stories about your 
culture or where you're from or maroonage in your um area where you are from because once again this show is about a place where i'm from i would love to hear about some of the legends of folklore where you are from please leave a suggestion in our box on our discord app in the ideas and suggestions can somebody post the discord link up here please the discord is open to everyone um, who is supportive of the show and just wants to be involved a little bit more talk with us in the group chat um, in the Contra Square or commune with us when we do live voice chats in the juke joint so we do invite you to join our discord group and just help us make that grow and once again that is open and free to all of our supporters with that being said my people as always you are strong you are powerful you come from such a divine bloodline ancestors that have conquered some of the most treacherous lands ancestors that have been resilient in the face of oppression ancestors that remain headstrong in who they were headstrong about their freedom and did not allow anyone to take that from them you come from doctors warriors botanists chemists lawyers you come from the best of the best and you my people are the best of the best so as we close out this week and as you wake up tomorrow and after you listen to magic mondays with us at 10 a.m eastern you shall step into your divinity and step into your prosperity as well and with that i release each and every last one of you into the atmosphere thanks for listening to the hoodoo and chill podcast Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and let us know how much you enjoyed the show. As always, donations of love keep our podcast alive and give us the ability to enhance our content. Please use one of the donation links in the description to send a donation of love today. And we'll see you on the next episode of Hoodoo and Chill.